hello hello welcome back to another episode of and how did that make you feel my name is rachel and i interview guests about their experiences in counseling or therapy to try and break down some of the barriers around accessing help and support for your mental health and i also just really enjoy having a great chinwag with all the interesting people that i get to speak to um, some of you have noticed that I've been um, a bit absent for the last couple of weeks. I had planned to take August off, but ended up kind of taking some of June, some of July. Um, yeah, just with stuff opening up again and um, some getting to socialise again. Um, it's been very nice to, to get out and, out and about a bit more. And so the podcast went on the back burner a wee bit. But I am back with a great episode. I've had a run of great Irish accents and this is another instalment. Um, we're taking us we're taking ourselves to Cork today with my guest. Uh, his name is Dara Fleming. He runs an Instagram account that I highly recommend called Thoughts Too Big. Um, he features a lot of his own writing uh, and also um, he runs a Mental Health Monday where different kind of mental health advocates um, share a short video either giving some tips and advice or um, some information around their own mental health so definitely go and check them out um, and we, we have a great conversation um, which you're gonna hear now so please sit back relax and enjoy my chat with Dara nice to see you yeah nice to see you thank thanks for having me on ah thanks for thanks for um wanting to come on i love it when people want to come on to the podcast and speak to me uh, i don't take yeah, it for yeah. granted that um yeah it's such a privilege that i get to speak to so many different people um and have these uh, really interesting conversations um but do you want to tell us a bit about yourself yeah totally and uh, as i said to you before we started i mean the conversations you're having are uh, fantastic which is why i wanted to be a part of it uh, so my own name is Dara Fleming. Um, I am a short story writer from Cork and I also write a bit of poetry. But the reason I'm on here is that I do a lot of uh, mental health advocacy work and I run the blog Thoughts Too Big, which is a blog mainly about daily mental health struggles I've been running since 2016. Mm. And then the Instagram page, as you might have seen, kind of... Um, I use it to kind of voice other people with the Mental Health Monday stuff, just just so, you know, everyone gets a, a different flair of different mental health struggles and how people deal with it. Mm, yeah, they're really helpful, the stuff that you put out, especially. it's I, just, I think with mental health, it's so important to hear as many different voices and as many different experiences as possible because there's just no one size fits all. Yeah, that's it. And that's kind yeah. of where the, like, you, you know, as we talked about, we have the, mutual of connor stone and he was doing something similar and that's how i met him is he asked me to be on his kind of uh, profile thing and then a few months later it was like it would be good to get people doing videos of this kind of thing mm. giving their tips and that's kind of how it went so it's like it's the collaborative nature of the mental health community i think is really positive and it just it's really helpful yeah absolutely absolutely yeah well i'm delighted that you're here um and we'll yeah we'll get we'll get stuck into our chat uh, so Dara, when when did you first kind of start going to counselling? Um, so I started going first in 2015. Um, I was it was second year of college. Um, so 
the reason I started going was because of something happened years previous to that. When I was 17, which was 2012, uh, my best friend killed himself. Mm. And I think I spent, well, I know now I spent a lot of years thinking I was grieving, but the grieving period had actually ended and I was actually quite depressed for a long time mm -hmm. and just ignoring the issue and pretending it wasn't there. And then that all kind of came to a head in my second year of college when we're out on a college night out and I had this really bad panic attack in the street. And it was because of that event that I, I kind of woke up to the idea there was something wrong. And then I started going to student counseling in UCC in Cork and that, you know, it went from there and it really, you know, impacted me. And that's why I suppose I started the blog and stuff on the back of that because I was like, I never even knew that I had this problem and I did. And, you know, if I can help people get to that point as well, then great. Mm -hmm. And how, how did you find the process? Um, you know, was it the panic attack that kind of gave you the wake up call or was the panic attack kind of like the final thing that was like oh right okay I really need to take this seriously and get some help yeah it was it was probably the final straw like I knew for years that I was like quite numb to emotion I wasn't really feeling anything whether it be like sadness or joy or whatever it was I wasn't really feeling anything and I was doing a lot of um acting so like if uh if I knew I was in a situation where people were expecting me to be happy, then I'd like, you know, play up to the happiness where I wasn't really feeling anything, but that wasn't because I wasn't feeling anything. It didn't feel like it was affecting me that bad. Cause I just, you know, I wasn't yeah. feeling the emotions for it. But then when the panic attack happened, it almost like opened up a valve and it all started coming out. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, well, I've been feeling terrible for years and I've just been putting up with it. So yeah. it was really like a, a wake-up call almost mm -hmm. and when like was it then was it a difficult decision to then think about access and support you know was was that something that you and your peers were kind of talking about or um you know was that a kind of a bar another barrier to kind of get through um i well i had the i had the privilege of being i was doing applied psychology as my undergrad mm -hmm. so um a lot of my you know my peers and the people in my class were you know very open-minded about mental health and psychology anyway so I said it to them very it didn't feel like a big deal to say it to them and a lot of them had already been using the services so that really helped me like figure out who I need to get in contact with and how to get to that part but I think the hardest part for me was telling my parents that I needed help because I was still living at home and it wasn't so much that like they've always been supportive ever since my friend died and everything. There's never been a question of that, but I think it's almost like a symptom of the, the mental health issues anyway, that I felt I was going to be judged or they were going to look at me differently. And that was the hardest part telling them. But once I told them, then it almost felt like a relief in itself. Like I had, impro I had improved by even being able to admit to them there was something wrong and mm -hmm. making the decision to actually go counseling really gave me a lift as it was. So, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I know it's funny isn't it that sometimes telling the people closest to us is is so well I suppose it's a very vulnerable thing to do but you would you would think some, the people closest to you should be the easiest people to tell and sometimes cause I was the same it was very it was um yeah a big thing to kind of tell my parents tell my close friends um yeah and I, I think I think um 
because I've thought about this a lot recently as well. Because you know, today, for example, like um, men, like mental health awareness is the like it's never been more uh, in society, or whatever. But we do have a tendency to be like, oh, if you're struggling, open up, and if if you're struggling, talk. But when I was going through stuff, I've always felt like the hardest thing to do was to open up about it. And I think that's probably why it's hard to tell the people closest to you because when you're in it, it's almost one of the symptoms that I can't tell anyone. Like, I just something wrong with me. And that's why now you should almost probably be putting the emphasis on like, okay, if you're doing fine, reach out to someone who you think mightn't be doing fine. Because if you talk to them, they might open up to you. But from my experience anyway, when I was struggling, I didn't really want to talk to anyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when you, so this this all ha- this happened when you were at university, and like, were you aware that the university even had the kind of provision of counselling, or because I know now, goodness, 10, 15 years that I was at university, but I couldn't have told you what what was on offer. Um, but you know, I suppose what well, you were doing psychology, so you probably were well aware of how to access it. But was it difficult to access? Uh, yeah it was it's strange like as in I, I knew vaguely that it was there I didn't know where the building was where you go for it I didn't know who you got in contact with um it was very it's very much a service like you don't know about it until you need to know about it almost mm-hmm. um and then there was like a six-week waiting list uh because you know there's only so many counselors in mm-hmm. in the university and there's a lot of mental health issues in the student body so there was like a six-week waiting list but once you get your foot in the door, it was like every two weeks you had the same counsellor, so you got to develop a, a rapport. And um, but yeah, it, was, it is it is interesting to think that like you don't really know about these things until something happens to you, and like you know that's why the again I started my own journey with all this and trying to help other people is because my friend died and I don't want other people to have to go through that. That's you know so it's kind yeah. of nature of the the industry to for mm-hmm. lack of a better word yeah and so before you went to counseling I don't want to make an assumption about because you were studying psychology but what you know what what did you think counseling was going to be like or what how did you imagine it was going to be um well you know growing up and probably particularly as a as a man um there was that idea that you're not supposed to have emotional things going on um and definitely it felt prior and it was probably the part of the reason I was reluctant to go for years was that counseling to me was always something you did if there was you know there's something seriously wrong um which I like having gone and having been going is the complete opposite of what counseling is for um I encouraged like all my friends now, even if they're not going through a big thing, go to counselling every once in a while as to, you know, there, there might be stuff you're struggling with you don't even realise and it just helps you to grow as a person in general. Mm-hmm. But before counselling, before I started going, I definitely had, I was probably self-stigmatising, uh, almost make myself feel bad about needing to go, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like is quite common, again, particularly in men because we have this idea that we're not meant to need to talk about anything and that we should just chin up and get on with it which is Mm -hmm. you know as you know a serious problem when it comes to men's mental health but Mm -hmm. yeah that was unfortunately that's how I 
felt a big pinching before I went. Yeah, I very similar experience. I didn't think I was depressed enough or didn't think I was ill enough to see a counsellor. I, mm. I thought, you know, it's not it's not for for somebody like me. Um, but yeah, it's been, you know, totally, totally kind of life changing and so yeah. beneficial, beneficial for me. Um, so when you when you did then access the counselling through the university, like what was the kind of setup? Was it, uh, you know, practically was it what you were expecting you know, or was it kind of a clinical room or was it, you know, was, had to try to like make it a bit more comfortable and make you feel more at ease? Yeah, like, you know, obviously when you've never gone, you, you have this idea of uh, counselling as you being on the couch lying back and they're mm. behind you. And, like, obviously that's one, that's psychotherapy, but uh, it was it was very, it felt very informal, which, you mm. know, straight away makes you feel more comfortable because if it felt like you're walking into a doctor's office, you'd be, you know, on edge as you are a dentist's mm. office or something, you know, you always feel on edge in those medical kind of uh, feeling places, when it, as clinical as you said. But it was just very simple. It was kind of, it was like, it was an office, but it felt like a living room and there was just two armchairs across from each other and there was a table in the middle, like a coffee table. And that, that was the setup. It was very, very uh, rudimentary, simple. And it just made, for me, it was a sense of ease because it made it feel like it wasn't a big deal that I was there. It was just like, oh, we're not in this big space where we've like, you know, locked everything out. And you, it's, it's just, yeah, we're here, whatever. We can have a chat here and that's fine. And I think that immediately made me feel a lot more relaxed and a lot more like forthcoming. Whereas if I wasn't, because even like, I know now like uh, it's different, but going to the doctor even and being like, like, should I tell them this is wrong with me? Even though like if it's a cold or something, it's like, oh, I won't tell them that. I don't want to get in trouble. Like uh, that's the kind of feel I have for like a doctor's office. Whereas it wasn't like that at all in counseling, which is Mm. important. Yeah, definitely. Because I think if, I think for some people when they're even considering or feeling like maybe I need to see a counsellor like that's another barrier for some people of I, I don't know what the room's going to look like I don't know you know it's somebody I don't know there's all these kind of yeah. unknowns um, and yeah the setup of the room and everything is just so important to kind of put people at their ease and try and encourage and create that kind of safe space definitely and I think like People have, like, I suppose, because there's been such a taboo on going to counselling, people have, and myself included, have no idea what it's like because people just don't talk about it. Because, mm-hmm. like, even before I went counselling, until I asked my friends, like, in, in my college course, I was like, have you ever been to counselling? It was only then they were like, oh, yeah, we go. But it wasn't a conversation we had until I asked. And I feel like because of that, very few people up until that point again I feel like it's gotten a lot better in the last few years but up until then I feel like no one had an idea what counselling was about because no one was willing to have the conversation even about the practicality of counselling yeah definitely definitely and I mean I know the south is a different kind of um setup kind of access and health stuff anyway but uh, I know conversations that I've had with people in the UK, you know, around, well, do I go to the doctor to get an NHS referral or do I go to somebody private or can I go to, you know, an organization and can I get some through work? You know, there's all these kind of variable, mm-hmm. variables of oh, that can be very overwhelming as well whenever, um, yeah, as you say, if you can have a conversation with somebody, well, what did you do? How did you access it? Just it makes it much seem much less intimidating. 
definitely like because it it's almost like you know uh to like as a metaphor if you're just flicking through netflix or something and you haven't a recommendation you will never pick something but if so if somebody knows like you should watch this then you're gonna be like okay i'm just gonna watch that because they said so and yeah. it makes it 100 percent easier um yes. yeah <laughs> as somebody who is just still repeat watching the four same shows that i've watched over the last year because my yeah. i just don't have the capacity to pick anything yeah i know i, f- I feel it i feel it i've rewatched <laughs> mad men twice since the lockdown started oh that's good going it's a great show so yeah. we won't complain yeah <laughs> yeah just uh, yeah just hearing from somebody else and uh, well i suppose yeah it just removes as well some of that stigma and that the taboo around um not talking about it um because mm-hmm. that yeah that was so that was for me that was the final push that i needed to to see somebody was um yeah my peers just talking really openly about yeah i see a counselor and yeah it's great yeah and, yeah just like, all oh, positives about it yeah yeah I think it's that idea of like, oh, I'm not the only one. So all of a sudden, it's no longer this big scary thing that only like people who are really troubled go to. All of a sudden, it's everyone can benefit from this, and there's no big deal. Yeah, it yeah, completely changes it. Like, I do think the general kind of conversation around counselling specifically has moved in that direction of it being, yeah, just something much more run-of-the-mill and yeah. not kind of like oh you go to counseling <laughs> yeah definitely and yeah in the last five six years i've seen that a lot and you, you can see it like as as people are talking more openly about mental health in general and like all these great podcasts are popping up and all these instagram pages the whole conversation is moving into place where it's not a big deal to feel this way mm. and like the idea that it is totally okay for you to feel how you're feeling, even if it's not feeling good. Mm. You know? And I think, you know, they're all going hand in hand in the right way, which is fantastic. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so how long did you say your counsellor? So that time, um, it was kind of tricky because I, so I had the panic attack in January, started going to counselling in the middle of February, but I was going on the J1 visa to Boston in June so I only had like five months stint before I went away mm-hmm. then I came back and I started going again to the same counsellor in third year finished my undergrad then I stopped going counselling for a few years and now I go like I wouldn't say I go very regularly but it's whenever I feel like I'm going into a low period I can mm-hmm. kind of you know you can if you've as you know yourself um if you've been through a kind of depressive low or an anxious bait, you can kind of feel when it's coming on again. And when that happens, then I'll, you know, I'll slip back into counseling for six, seven, eight weeks and mm-hmm. come back out. Mm-hmm. Kind of top up your, your skills yeah, and yeah. your tools and stuff. Exactly. And I just, I think like, like this now, for example, just being able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's what I always, I always say to like my friends and stuff now. And we, we've, it's, it's, it's crazy in the time since Irby passed away um, to now how different like group chats I'm in are because it used to be like we never talk about this stuff mm. and now it's like oh I'm not feeling great today I'm a bit anxious and no one's expecting answers mm. but they just want to get it off their chest and I think that for me is what counselling does it, in a like more intense way it allows me to like just flush myself of all the stuff I've been holding on to that I haven't told other people yeah yeah it's like 
it, it kind of removes those feelings of, oh, do I want to tell my friends this or do I, oh, I don't know how to say this. Like, you can say anything to your counsellor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like, there's part of you that, I suppose, doesn't want to burden other people with your, especially your friends, because they could be going through their own things and you're putting your stuff on them. I, not that you, you shouldn't do that, but sometimes I feel like maybe I need to just talk to someone else about this because yeah. this is a bit more in-depth and it's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I suppose both having, having a, a good balance of both is what we're all kind of striving for, of knowing that you can... Um, yeah talk to your friends about it but then also knowing that you can speak to a counselor who is just there specifically yeah for, for you exactly like and i think yeah it kind of goes like it's almost a a trajectory where it's like if i'm feeling a certain way i'll tell my friends and then if that feeling persists then i'll be like hey lads i think i'm gonna go back to seeing a counselor or whatever just updating them in my life i'll be like oh mm-hmm. i'm going to the gym tonight if counseling whatever Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's just, uh, okay, this feeling hasn't gone away and I've been on top of everything else. So just definitely an underlying thing. And yeah. that's when I'll go to counseling then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, that's so positive. Um, like to know that you, you can get to that point of knowing yourself well enough to be like, oh, I, yeah, I can feel that I need, I need some more support or I can feel that I'm, I'm getting to the point, you know, that it's much more, proactive than reactive yeah yeah um, totally well like as uh, like it always hasn't always been that way i suppose yeah, it's yeah. been experience yeah. of going through you know the lows and not knowing what to do mm-hmm. and then getting to some counseling and you know I, i'm very um active about mental health routines and like you know i, I always say to people like if you can you know get enough sleep get enough water see your friends often enough um, eat properly and, and exercise if you can hit all those and then you're still feeling like mentally unwell mm. then I know then there's a more like you know deep problem but if I say if I'm feeling very anxious on a, any given day I'll be like okay yeah but you haven't drank any water and you got four hours of sleep no yeah. wonder <laughs> and then I don't have to like start panicking about yeah other stuff. but that's only something I've kind of come to in the era of lockdown say because mm. i had time to think about it but i think yeah. it's, it's massively helped yeah it, like it's they're such basic things and things that i know i take for granted but mm. yeah like the impact i definitely if i don't get enough sleep um or sleep would be like one of my first kind of things that i'll notice oh i'm not sleeping very well what's what's kind of going on um but yeah, it's just like such a basic human thing of get enough sleep, drink enough water, eat well. Yeah, they're like, so so simple, but I think that's why we take them for granted because yeah. they're so simple and they're so easy to neglect because you can, you know, you should be drinking two liters of water, but you can get by on one. Yeah. And they're so easy to like let slip and we don't realize the impact that letting those things slip has on us. And I, mm-hmm. I found that it's quite profound. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and kind of speak talking about tools or things that you do like have there been any tools that you've learned in counseling that you you still use or you come back to um well you know i think once you go to counseling once you you you're told about the the power of journaling and mm. writing down you know if you've done uh cognitive behavioral therapy and how 
impactful journaling is for that. Um, so I still like, as I said in the beginning, I'm I'm a writer by trade anyway. So I do a lot of writing, but mm. I also put time aside to just you know process anything I'm going through on in a day that's making me anxious and figuring out why that happened. And I think that aspect of writing has been really helpful. Again in particular in the pandemic era when mm. there's a lot of time spent alone and your mind can start wandering and you know you can start feeling lonely and all that i think journaling it and like what for me once you have if you have this big vague feeling like anxiety and you don't know what it is and you can get it into like a paragraph and then mm. all of a sudden this big thing has become a very quantified thing and you're like okay I can deal with this. I couldn't deal with it earlier because it was this huge thing, but I can deal with this two or three paragraphs of why I'm anxious and that helps. Yeah, absolutely. That thing of being able to, what is it to say? Like if you, if you name it, yeah, it just, it, it removes some of the fear around it. And it's like when, yeah. when people like are like sick and they don't know what it is. Once they get diagnosed, they start feeling better. It's like, at least I know what it is now. And mm-hmm. that that's, I think, for me, anyway, that's what counselling has always done. It's like, I didn't know what this was. Now I know what it is. And now we can we can start working at it. Like, mm. Yeah, yeah, that very, that was very similar for me as well. Like, I couldn't understand. Um, stuff was just different things would ups, would make me really, really upset. Mm. Um, and I knew I wasn't, wasn't depressed, but um, like, I'm not naturally an anxious person. Okay. But even when I went to council and, and kind of ex- talked about how I was feeling, the council was like, oh, yeah, that's anxiety. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it did make it feel like, oh, well, this is yeah, this is this kind of manageable or this is right. OK, I know we've got a name for it now. Yeah. And even though I still struggle with with kind of the, even being like, oh, I have anxiety. Yeah. Um, it does make it a difference to be able to. Yeah, kind of not control it a bit more, but it has it has its name and its identity and yeah you can, like, yeah i know what that is now rather than probably before where it was like this these things are happening and i don't know what it is at yeah. least now it's like okay i do know what it is now yeah and that that definitely it gives you whether you're actually in more control it gives you a sense of control i think and that is comforting mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely and as well i suppose it then allowed me to kind of look at well well what are what are other people with anxiety like what what are they experiencing and yeah kind of feel a bit more yeah just not um as alone with it all because um yeah being able to say oh this is so many people um have issues with this uh yeah and i I think probably the the thing for me after like found out that i was depressed and had anxiety the, the next bat- like battle for me, say, was to understand that I, I'm not the, the label. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. anxiety. I'm, like, I'm me. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, it's easy to fall into, like, I'm depressed, therefore I'll always be depressed, and I am the depression, where it's, like, it's just something that's happening to you. Like, the same way when you're excited, you're not going around saying, I am excitement. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm just feeling excited there, you know, and that'll pass. And I think... For me, understanding the fact that like emotions come and go and they won't always last, even though, you know, when you have an issue with anxiety or depression, it lasts longer and that's the problem. But, you know, in general, like if I'm feeling anxious today, I know that it'll pass and that 
knowing that and having that in the kind of arsenal the whole time mm. does make it more manageable because you're like, I just need to get through this and mm-hmm. it'll go. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, because I talk about this to my counselor quite a lot. Like, um, the f- yeah, fear for me around processing different things or, um, yeah, in counseling, I still come back to the fear of, oh, if I, if I open this can of worms, I'm always going to, like, I can't get back out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just, it feels like, but even though I know that from experience that, no, that's not what happens. Um, it's like yeah. my immediate fear is still like, oh, no, that's too scary or that's too hard. Um, and yeah, I'll always feel like that if I get in, get into it like a black hole. Um, yeah. So yeah, and, it's, oh, sorry, go on. No, 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 go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I, I suppose um, admitting to it makes it real. And that's mm-hmm. why it's kind of scary, because before you ever say, oh, I think I'm depressed, you can deny it to yourself mm. for as long as you want. And that, you know, opening the can of worms and being like, I am feeling this way just makes it real. And I think that is quite scary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so you... You mentioned there, like during lockdowns and everything, you know, journaling was really helpful for you. Um, you know, how I, I, I'm interested to hear how people are kind of experiencing this kind of transition y kind of period of things. Um, just because I know for me, like it's been mixed emotions of, you know, delighted that things are opening back up again, but also like, oh my goodness I don't think I like yeah. <laughs> I need I, I need to, to kind of take baby steps around this um, totally. so how, how have the last few weeks been for you um for like to be honest I've been dealing with it pretty well um mm-hmm. like I live with a few friends so you know it's not like I've been totally away from people so mm-hmm. like that's definitely been helpful but I think um I used to be very active before the pandemic in team sports I was playing mm-hmm. basketball Mm-hmm. and it, it's it's more anxiety around returning to that mm. um that space for whatever reason um the, the, there is a lot of like hesitation and dread going back into that space and mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what that is but I guess it's just because I got used to my life away from it and I found things to fill that space up with that I'm kind of reluctant to give that time away again mm-hmm. and yeah. and you know and then there's the whole thing of performing well in sport and the anxieties around that and it's just yeah it's just a, it's an interesting one that I probably wouldn't have like if you gave me a list of things you'll be anxious about after lockdown I wouldn't have picked that one out as the one that I'd definitely be anxious about but here we are yeah I, um, I heard somebody talk about um how as we're coming out of the pandemic it's like you know that awkward drawer in your kitchen that is just full of all the crap that you don't know where to put <laughs> and that's that's what our lives were like beforehand like just stuffing more stuff in yeah and now the pandemic was like when we emptied the drawer because we would nothing to put in and now we're yeah. at the point of well we can we can we can decide what we put back in rather than yeah. just shoving all the awkward kitchen utensils yeah yeah just filling <laughs> it back up like yeah yeah no that's a really good uh way of putting it yeah out. yeah um and just i think a lot of people as well have are thinking yeah kind of similar thoughts of well I was involved in this this and this and this beforehand um and now that we've all had time to actually stop and think well why was I involved in this or do I want to go back to it or you know 
it's do, do I want to be as busy as I was before um which again is a really kind of hard hard shift and hard kind of thing to think about because it impacts not just you but also you know the teams that you were involved in or the groups that you were involved in or the things that that you were involved in before yeah definitely um it's it's probably like a something none of us really thought about when the pandemic started because we were so focused on the the fear of illness and stuff but I think Matt Haig, uh, the author, said mm-hmm. on Twitter one day, he was like, I can't wait for the pandemic to be over so I have the choice to say no to things instead of being forced to say no. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. like, a very good way of putting it. It's like, you do need like... And there was a certain satisfaction, I remember, before the pandemic when someone would invite you out and you wouldn't want to go, so you'd just be like, no, I'm not going tonight. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, you get a certain amount, well, I'm still in control, whereas the pandemic took all that control away and yeah. you couldn't say yes or no. Mm-hmm. so hopefully that element of being able mm-hmm. to say no when you can say yes mm-hmm. will come back yeah having a bit more agency around yeah. around your decisions but I, I also just think it's going to be just a really interesting year 18 months mm. like I just I just don't know if we've any idea of, the, of how as a society this this whole pandemic will impact us not only from a mental health perspective but just yes this lifestyle as well i suppose yeah yeah Yeah. um i i work for a mental health charity and um we deliver training mental health training for organizations and it's been great there's been a big increase in organizations wanting to support their staff but uh, it's just it's interesting to see like what what kind of companies everybody's back in the office or what they're thinking of doing or even the organization I work for we still don't know well are they going to let us continue working from home a bit or yeah you know what's the yeah there's just so many things kind of still up in the air yeah and I suppose, like the um like like things like this like the podcast or um like they're a few months ago I was given talks to like a few local like so CAT and um Stefan Nafa here in Cork just giving talks mm-hmm. on mental health but I was able to do it online which is convenient in the sense that I didn't have to like make space to commute and mm-hmm. you know it kind of takes away the aspect of public health or the public speaking anxiety yeah uh-huh. and, you'd, and you'd wonder then what's going to happen with those type of things now like will people go back to recording podcasts in person will speakers who come in come in and speak to everyone in the crowd will you give mm. your training in person you know it's just um it'll be interesting to see if that's like hybridized or what yeah yeah definitely interesting interesting times we're, we're gonna keep living in <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah hopefully we'll be able to be a bit more spontaneous and make our own decisions about we what we, we do actually want to do and what we don't want to do definitely um and so what like do you have any advice if somebody was maybe feeling like oh i'm thinking about counseling but i'm just not sure if it's for me like what kind of advice would you give somebody um i think like the first the first time I was thinking about it, I think the, the the most I got out of it, like the biggest surge of like relief I got out of it was making the decision to go. Mm. Um, so I would say don't underestimate how good it's going to make you feel to make that decision for yourself. Mm. I think that was really important for me. And then, so you get like a, a kind of a rush from 
doing it and you're excited about that and you realize that you're finally doing the thing to help yourself that you should have done months ago mm. and it gives you a sense of oh i'm doing like it's like again to a lesser extent when you book the dentist because you haven't gone in five years and you should have gone every year and you haven't and then you book and you're like oh i'm finally being responsible for myself <laughs> And I think, I think that feeling of responsibility that you're taking is very empowering and it makes you feel more in control. Even though your mental health mightn't be in control and you might feel like you're spiraling, that gives you a sense of control. So I think not underestimating that is very important. Yeah, that, that's such a good point, actually. Yeah, it's just the, the, the perspective shift it can give you just by making that phone call or booking that appointment. Yeah. Exactly. Even, and then and then you you get it again when you tell your parents and you tell your friends mm-hmm. friends and you're like i'm doing this thing for me and it's the right thing and i know it is and that uh, oh i think i've lost you dara oh you're frozen Are you back? Oh, two seconds there. Yeah. Can you hear me? I think so. Go again. Well, sorry, what oh, were you yeah. saying? <laughs> oh, no, you've frozen again. Um, I can't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> um, you were saying about um, yeah, the impact oh. when, you've, when you've booked your session and then the impact again when you tell your friends and your family and then, then you froze. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the same point that uh, you just, you get like having that like hold on the responsibility for your mental health that you're taking. I just, I can't really overstate how important it is and how important it was for me anyway, that it gave me that sense of you're doing the right thing mm-hmm. rather than rather than what I was doing, which was ignoring the problem and hoping it would just go away on its own. Yes. <laughs> I think, yeah. Yeah, I would say that's a very relatable feeling for a lot of people. Of if I just ignore it or just pretend, yeah, um, it'll it'll go away by itself. But it doesn't. <laughs> no, unfortunately, no. <laughs> and I think actually before, like before the pandemic, because I, I had a lot of like time to reflect the pandemic. And I think before the pandemic, what I was doing was like filling my life with being busy to like stop myself from dealing with like oh I don't have time to actually even feel anxious if I am anxious I know that life's been like stripped down and you you only have the kind of rudimentary stuff going on it forces you to be like you can't just leave this go you have to you have to deal with it like you can't just hope it'll go away because it doesn't work mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think again that has been an experience that a lot of people have had that they've had to face up to things or they've had to acknowledge how they're feeling. Um, yeah, because we've we've all been sitting at home with our, <laughs> with yeah. our feelings. Exactly. <laughs> feelings exactly. and Netflix. And there's only so much Netflix you can watch. Yeah, exactly. You have to you have to face the feelings at some point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Um, so is there anything um kind of oh goodness, yeah, we've been going nearly an hour um is there anything like that we haven't talked about that you wanted to talk about or anything um i don't think so like i think like the most important thing if if people are listening and considering going to counseling i think is just to uh to understand like it's not this big 
undertaking and it's not going to make you worse. Like, like there's only benefit from cancelling. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to like go into cancelling and because I had this fear, it's like if I go into cancelling and I feel this way, I'm going to come out and I'm going to be feeling worse and it, it's going to uncover more problems and all of a sudden it's going to, it's going to go downhill and that's not what counseling is about. Like, I still go from time to time when I'm feeling absolutely fine just because it's a very good space to grow. Mm-hmm. To yeah, go, well, yeah. okay, there's nothing wrong with me. I can still improve. I can still get better. And that's, I think that's the main takeaway is that it's, it's so, there's something in it for everybody where, whether you are struggling, where you're, whether you're not, it's just, it's just a good time. It's yeah. a good time for everyone. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll go with my rounding off cheesy question then. Um, Dara, it's been class to, to chat to you and hear, hear about your experiences. Um, so how has this all made you feel? Uh, well, thanks for having me on firstly. And it's been great. Um, it's you're you're very nice to talk to you and it's very easy to talk to you and i suppose if people could take away anything this is kind of what like a counseling talk feels like it's not this big heavy conversation you just you're flowing an hour passes and you don't even realize and that's great i feel good oh brilliant yeah um and like is there anywhere because you mentioned there you know you're you're writing and stuff is there um is there where can people find um find your stuff um so there's links on the thoughts to big page and my own page but also you can get my books on amazon waterstones book depository they're just collections of short stories first one is the book of revelations the second one is if you're reading this then drink water has nothing to do with water but it's a good reminder for people <laughs> to drink water uh so yeah but if people wanted to check that out i'm always delighted when people do so thanks oh class yeah i'll definitely do that um i so at the end of nearly every episode i do a book review and a podcast review or another oh. a recommendation well there you go so i will buy one of your books and it'll be um a, a future future um, future recommendation i don't think i have time it. to i am a fast reader but i don't think i'm that fast to get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough that is fair <laughs> enough but that's class yeah i'll definitely i'll definitely have a look um but yeah thank you thank you so much for as i said i love it when people volunteer themselves to come and speak to me um yeah and just love hearing people's experiences and getting to um getting to speak to the new people um and yeah, have these really great conversations. So thank you again, Dara. And thanks for having me on. As I said, I saw Connor on and I was like, this is exactly up my alley. So um, was delighted to be on. So thank you for that. Thank you for sticking around to the book recommendation and pod recommendation um round up at the end of the episode um i have genuinely bought one of dara's books and excitingly waiting for it to arrive um i went for his more most recent one called if you are reading this then drink water because i'm also a big fan of um drinking a lot of water it's very good for you anyway um seeing as i've had a run of irish guests my book recommendation today is niall williams history of the rain um I am quite nerdy about the books that I read like I keep a list <laughs> and I rate them and then I 
at the end of the year, I compile my top 10 and announce my favourite book of the year and History of the Rain. Oh, I should have checked my records before I started now, but I'm nearly sure History of the Rain was my favourite maybe two years ago. Um, so Niall Williams is an Irish author, which is the link. Um, and it's probably his most famous book is, oh goodness, I can't see the title on my shelves. Is it Four Love Letters or Four Letters of Love? Something along those lines. And um, yeah, uh, some of my friends were shocked that I had never read any of Niall Williams a few years ago. And now I've read... Um, I think everything, though he's got a new book out at the minute. But History of the Rain, really, really beautiful book. Um, I remember crying repeatedly when reading it. Um, kind of, the, the kind of book where nothing really much happens, but nothing much happens really, really beautifully. Um, and it's based around um, Ruth Swain, who is bedbound. Um, and she's young, I think she's 19 or 20 and thinking about her family history and there's a lot of kind of literature references but just really stunningly beautifully written. Um, so if you haven't checked out Niall Williams, highly recommend him. And then for my pod selection, um, I am a big fan of Radio 4, all my um, nerdy secrets are coming out now. Uh, they have a really great program called soul music and they have about 130 episodes and each episode takes a different song piece of music and it has um it, people talk about what the song means to them the different experiences that they connect with the song uh, but really varied like pop rock and um, some classical stuff so if i'm just skimming through their kind of list there's Toto's Africa, Coventry Carol, um, Streets of London, Back to Black, Let the River Run. That's a really good episode. Um, there's some classical stuff, True Colors, God Only Knows, uh, Why Does She Appeal? Like there's loads of good stuff to get your ears around. Um, so highly recommend Soul Music, and you can get it on your whatever podcatcher you use or BBC Sounds. Um, I hope you're all doing okay in this very weird time we're living in of, you know, the UK is op opening up again and feeling maybe cautious or worried or concerned about that, but also maybe delighted about having a bit more freedom around things. Please just be gentle with yourself. That's what I'm trying to, to, to do to myself um, and to, yeah, take it easy and not um, be too hard on myself. But until I'm speaking to you all again in a couple of weeks time, mind yourselves, look after yourselves and drink plenty of water. Bye. How did that make you feel? How did that make you feel? How did that make you feel? With Rachel Power.